Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Brawley, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org, or simply download the CCCIV app, you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977 well i could picture martin luther now as he searched for freedom for his soul there he was at the age of 21 he took up holy ordinances as an augustine monk In 1511, in spiritual anguish, he went to Rome hoping to find a way to unshackle his soul. But instead, the month he spent in Rome only proved to serve to his disillusionment as he was shackled by his own religion. As a committed monk, his mindset was that a God who is good is bound to accept good men if they are doing their best. But that only magnified the anguish in his soul. He found himself struggling with the question, how could someone know if they've ever done enough good to be right with a good God and to merit his grace? Well, then he finally became the Bible teacher at uh, Wittenberg University. And while he was there, he engaged in two long discourses of teaching. One was on the book of Psalms and the other one was on the book of Romans. And as he was teaching through the book of Romans, he comes across these two verses. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And this was an eye opener for him. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. The righteous standing before God that Martin Luther was looking for was finally found in that verse right there. The righteousness of God, which is mentioned here in verse 17, and that righteousness that through grace and sheer mercy, God justifies us by faith. And it was in his journal when he wrote these words. When I discovered this thereupon, I felt myself to be reborn and to have gone through open doors to paradise. This passage of Paul became unto me a gateway into heaven. At last, he was finally set free. He was broken of those shackles of religion that kept him bound and flying free with God. Well, the same could be said of the person who wrote Romans, the book of Romans, the apostle Paul. He was a man steeped in Judaism. He was a man bound by his religion. And he thought that what he was doing, all the good that he was doing was the will of God. And all he found was more anguish for his soul. But then one day on the road to Damascus, the apostle Paul had an encounter with the living Christ. And there he discovered the true gospel. He found freedom for his own soul, that false sense of security, that self-righteousness that had him bound and the sin that blinded him to the true love of God was finally removed from his eyes. The true gospel 
The word gospel comes from the Greek word euangelion, and it's translated uh, to mean good news or gospel. The word was used early on in the Greek culture in a famous inscription called the Priene uh, inscription. It dates back to 9 BC. It spoke of the birth of Caesar Augustus. Augustus was born in 63 BC, but in 9 BC, this inscription was made about him. And it went on to read this way, Providence created the most perfect good for our lives, filling him, Augustus, with virtue for the benefit of mankind, sending us and those after us a savior who put an end to the war and established all things. And whereas the birthday of the God Augustus marked for the world the beginning of good tidings, the word Greek, the Greek word there is euangelion, through his coming. And so the word gospel used of Caesar Augustus as if he was the savior of the world. But the Bible makes it clear, and the apostle Paul does in Romans as well, that there's only one true gospel and there's only one true savior to the world, and that is Jesus Christ himself. And that becomes the theme of the book of Romans as Paul went ahead and he pens this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Verses 16 and 17 have been viewed really as the thesis statement of the entire book of Romans. Paul's opening words in, in Romans begin with the gospel. Uh, at the end of it, this epistle in chapter 16, we see in verse 25, uh, it says, now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages. So the word gospel actually bookends the book of Romans. It becomes his thesis statement. We see in the opening chapter in verses, uh, chapter verse one, verse nine, verse 15 and 16, uh, that the God word gospel is mentioned. Paul refers to it over and over again, even in the first chapter, he was eager to preach the gospel according verse to verse 15 to those who were in Rome. And so as we look at this um, powerful two verses this morning, I want you to really focus on three things. I want us to, to draw our attention to three things. First of all, uh, Paul's uh, commitment to the gospel, uh, Paul's uh, confidence in the gospel, and then also Paul's commentary on the gospel as we see in verse 17. But first, I want you to look at Paul's commitment to the gospel. He says, I am unashamed of the gospel. Why does Paul need to say that? I mean, he's serving Christ, but here is a man that has gone through many beatings. He's been imprisoned. He's been shipwrecked. He's gone through many, many difficulties, trials, and tribulations for the sake of the gospel. And yet he would proclaim, I am unashamed of the gospel to those who are in Rome, to this church that is in Rome. And the reason is, is because the Romans weren't so welcoming to the gospel. In that culture of that day, they served many gods. And here you've got the gospel coming along, people preaching that there's only one way to be right with God. There's only one way to be justified with God. All the other gods are nothing more than false gods. And so Paul was not ashamed of that gospel he would tell them. 
And you have to understand that the gospel is not a human invention. It is divine revelation. It is divine revelation. That's why he opens up in verse one, when he says, Paul, a servant of Christ, Jesus called to be an apostle set apart for the gospel of God, that this is not a man-made message. This is not human philosophy. This comes from divine revelation from God himself. In fact, the apostle Paul, he didn't learn it from any man. He learned it from Christ himself through divine revelation. He refers to this in uh, Galatians chapter one, where he says in verses 11 and 12, for I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached to me or by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul was not ashamed of the gospel. He had received it uh, by Christ himself. And after Jesus um, meets him on the road to Damascus, saves him, he brings him into the desert in the wilderness to tutor him, to reveal to him firsthand what the true gospel really was and what Paul was to bring forth to the churches as he began to plant churches. The church of Rome would need to take this into account, this I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am unashamed of the gospel. They would need to take this into account because they were going to receive blowback from this. They were going to receive persecution. Even the Roman emperor Nero was coming up. He was rising up. Uh, and, and as he took his throne, he began to persecute Christians. I mean, his anger towards Christianity was totally unhinged. Paul himself would face the fury of em the Emperor Nero himself. He, would, he was um, imprisoned by Nero. We know in the book of Acts, chapter 28, towards, towards the end of, of the book of Acts, it refers to Paul being imprisoned there. And as Paul is in prison there, He's on house arrest, but we know through history that he was released again. And then he was imprisoned in the Mamertine prison, that infamous prison in Rome. It was a dungeon. It was a dark, dingy dungeon. And Paul would spend his final days there before he was beheaded by the Roman emperor Nero, as history would tell us. You know, the gospel is going to sound weird to people. The gospel is going to sound like foolishness to people. And the apostle Paul even wrote in, in the church to the church in Corinth in first Corinthians chapter one, verse 18, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to, to, to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And so the Christians in Rome they would later on become a laughing stock. They would understand what it meant for the gospel to be foolishness to those who were perishing. In fact, in one archaeological discovery in 1867, there was graffiti discovered on a, a plaster wall, and it is called the Alex, Meno, Alex Menos Graffito. Alex Amenos Graffito. And what it is, is it's scratched on plaster. It shows a man that's worshiping somebody dying on a cross. And the person that's dying on the cross has a donkey's head. 
And what really they were saying was this guy who worshiped Christ was asinine, that it was foolishness. It was absolute folly to worship what you would say is a king hanging on a cross. Well, we know that Rome was antagonistic towards the gospel, that Paul, even in his opening words, would say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I am unashamed of the gospel. I am unashamed of the gospel, not only in his own life and enduring the hardships and during the persecution, the ridicule, but he would bring that up to prepare the people ahead of them, uh, what they were ahead, what lie ahead for them. So I think Paul teaches us something very important here that we shouldn't be ashamed of the gospel either. And that leads to Paul declaring his confidence in the gospel. Why would Paul be so confident in the gospel? Why is he unashamed of the gospel? And he says clearly for that connecting conjunction right there, for it is the power of God unto salvation. It is the power of God for salvation. This is why Paul doesn't need to be ashamed of the gospel. He realizes that it is the very word of God that brings people into a saving relationship with him. It's interesting because the word dynamite, our English word dynamite comes from the Greek word dunamis. Uh, the um, Swedish chemist, his name was uh, Alfred uh, Nobel. In fact, the Nobel uh, Prize is named after him. When he invented dynamite, he was looking for the word that would work. Uh, to describe this explosive power. And he used uh, the word dynamite derived from the Greek word dunamis. And so that's what Paul uses here, that it is the power of God for salvation. It is the power of God for salvation. We need to realize that like Paul did, that God's power is manifested in the gospel. And, and what's interesting is it doesn't say that it is a channel of God's power, or it is a means of God's power. The Bible says here that the gospel is the power of God. That's how explosive the word is, this, this gospel, this good news of salvation, that in it is the power of God. And some would be questioning right now, they're saying, well, you, you talk about the gospel, the good news of, of salvation, what really do we need salvation from? And I think that's a great question. I think people need to be prepared to answer that. If you're a Christian today, you need to be able to answer that. And we're not going to unfold that this morning because Paul is going to unfold the gospel in the book of Romans. He will get into the condemnation. He will get into um, the justification by faith. He will get into sanctification, growing in Christ. But for now, let me just say this. I can sum it up in this. We need salvation from sin. We need to be delivered from the power of sin. Men are, are, are whether it's their, their deception of religion or their own self-righteousness, that's sin before God. Some are bound in deeper sins that they just can't break free of, that they're blinded to the fact that they are in bondage to pornography or in bondage to um, uh, alcohol or drugs or, or even this, this, what Martin Luther was dealing with, what he was trying to do in finding his, self, his righteousness before God, this righteous standing before God. How would he accomplish that? What was the means? What was the gateway to that? He needed deliverance from the power of sin in his own life.
And so we need deliverance from the power of sin, but we also need deliverance from the penalty of sin because God is righteous. We will stand before him one day and the penalty of sin, according to the book of Romans, is death. And we're going to get into that a little bit later on as we jump into the body of the text of, of Romans, as we jump into the main body of this letter, we'll see what it means. What does it mean when the penalty of sin is death? And we will face eternal damnation outside of Christ. That's what Paul's going to make clear here. So we need deliverance from the power of sin. We need deliverance from the, the, the penalty of sin. But we also need deliverance from Satan. Satan has the world under his sway. And he's deceiving people to think that they're okay with God when they're not okay with God. Some are flat out denying that there's no use for religion, that there's no place for God in our culture. Satan is deceiving people. And 1 John chapter 3 tells us that, that we have been delivered from the works of Satan. In, in verse 3 or chapter 3 verse 8 it says whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. So whether you realize it or not if you haven't come to Christ you're under the power of Satan the evil one. You must come to the realization that the only power to set you free from sin and from Satan is the power of God. That comes in the gospel. And verse 16 tells us some important things, a couple of important things anyway about the gospel. First of all, God's power to save is universal. It isn't limited to one people group. It isn't confined to one country or another country. He says that I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone, to everyone. That, that means that God's message, God's deliverance from sin and Satan is open to everyone. Doesn't matter color, doesn't matter class, it doesn't matter what culture you're from, the gospel crosses borders across the world. And so we know that the gospel is available to everyone. Doesn't matter how steeped in sin you may be right now. I remember the day I called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ when I understood the simplicity of the gospel for the first time. There I was steeped so deep in sin. And part of me was feeling like, man, there's no way I could deserve this. My sins were too great. But I realized at that point that God didn't limit it to anyone. When that weight of sin was lifted on me, when I called on the Lord in faith, I realized for the first time that there was an avenue to find freedom and deliverance from my own sin. And I found that that day doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done. Everyone is everyone. That's what it means right there. But you have to understand also that the gospel isn't just, um, universal. The power of God's salvation isn't just universal, but it's also exclusive. You say, what do you mean exclusive? Well, he goes on to say, for everyone who believes, not everyone who hears the gospel believes, not everyone who hears the gospel calls on the name of the Lord. In fact, just like in Rome and Paul's day and in the early church, people mocked the gospel. They mocked Jesus Christ. They did see it as foolishness, as, as, uh, you know, following a crucified King. And, and so, so not everyone's going to believe. Not everyone's going to call on the name of the Lord, but you have to understand that the gospel is exclusive. There are those who are cut out. 
There are those who will not find the gate of salvation, the gate into paradise or to heaven as, as Martin Luther would say. And, and what keeps them from that is their unbelief. That is the sin that people have to contend with the most when it comes to God. It is that sin of unbelief. So it is universal, but it's also exclusive to those who believe. And it's to the Jew first and also the Greek. And what I love about this is what was going on in the church of Rome. There was division between Jews and Gentiles. Um, Jews looked at the Gentiles as not worthy of the kingdom of God. And the Gentiles were looking at the Jews as, man, you're still bound in the law. You're still bound by your holy days. And so there was this division going on. And as the Gentiles continue to blow back towards Jewish people, uh, the Jews in the church, that Paul would make it clear that the gospel's for the Jew first. What does that mean? Well, the promises of God were delivered to the Jews in the Old Testament. And what's beautiful about it is it's not just for the Jews. Even in the Old Testament, God makes the promise that he is going to restore his people, Israel, and he's going to include the Gentiles. He's going to include people from all nations. In fact, Isaiah 49 verse 6 says, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. So what's beautiful, God is, is calling Jews, he's calling Gentiles in these last days through his son, Jesus Christ. The restoration is only gonna come to Israel through Jesus Christ. And you and I as Gentiles, were included in that. So the apostle Paul was the perfect person to bring the gospel for he wasn't just raised in Judaism and have his roots in Jewish culture and, and, and understanding the Old Testament, probably had the Old Testament memorized, but he also was a Roman sent uh, um, citizen. So he had his foot in both worlds. He could understand the worlds of the, of, the, of the Gentile. He could understand the world of the Jewish people. He was the perfect guy to bring the gospel. He even referred to himself as a um, apostle to the Gentiles. So, so there it is. There's Paul's confidence in the gospel. We saw his commitment to the gospel. He's unashamed of the gospel. We saw his confidence in the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation. But now I just want to look briefly at his commentary on the gospel, which we see in verse 17. Um, we see that that is just a concise commentary. Paul is unashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God for salvation. Why is it the power of God for salvation? Because it reveals the righteousness of God. And the question comes up, and scholars debate about this. What, is, what does it mean, the righteousness of God in this verse? What is he talking about? And by and large, scholars have been divided into two camps uh, through the centuries, and I don't see any resolution coming soon. Some would say it is an attribute of God. That, that the righteousness Paul is speaking of here is the, uh, is the attribute of God. And, and it's speaking of, of just his righteousness and that he will judge unrighteous sinners. And Martin Luther dwelled on that and he stayed on that for a long time. And that's why he couldn't find the freedom. He said, what good news could possibly come about being reminded that God is righteous? 
And knowing that I am a man filled with sin, that I am a man that's full of sin, what good news can that bring to me? So he struggled with that. The other camp would say it is a gift of a righteous status. In other words, that the righteousness that's spoken of here is a righteousness that God gives to people, that he grants to people, that he would bring into that right relationship with people. And when I look at both of those, the righteousness of God is an attribute. The gift of a right standing before God, both are rooted in the Old Testament. I could see it in Isaiah 50. I can see it in, in other Old Testament passages and some of the prophets. But one important one I think people need to write down is Isaiah 46 verses 12 and 13. Here the Lord says, listen to me, you stubborn of heart, you who are far from righteousness. Whose righteousness? They're far from God's righteousness. And he goes on to say, I bring near my righteousness. It is not far off and my salvation will not delay. I will put salvation in Zion for Israel, my glory. We can see the connection of God's righteousness and his salvation. So yeah, it is an attribute of God. God is absolutely righteous, but it also is God bringing people into salvation. The justification by faith Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Raleigh, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org or simply download the cccib app you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977